Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. Today's episode features American Street by Evie Zaboy, read by Kendra. This title is intended for teens, however, it may contain language or themes that some readers may find offensive. Recording is made with permission of Balzer and Bray, an imprint of HarperCollins. Chapter One If only I could break the glass separating me and my mom with my thoughts alone. On one side of the glass doors are the long lines of people with their photos and papers that prove that they belong here in America, that they are allowed to taste a bit of this free air. On the other side is me, pressing my forehead against the thick see-through wall. My shoulder hurts from the weight of the carry-on bag. I refuse to put it down for fear that they will take it away too. Mama, I whispered to the glass, hoping that my voice will ease through fly above all those people's heads, travel on the plane back to New York and reach her. We had been holding hands for courage when we arrived at customs in Kennedy Airport. Mama had carried all our important documents in a big yellow envelope tucked into her large purse, our passports, her visa, and the papers to prove that we are who we say we are, that we are from the city of Port-au-Prince, that I am an American citizen by birth, and I left for good when I was only an infant, that we own a little house in the neighborhood of Damas, and that Mama has a business selling brand name Pepe, secondhand American clothes. All these things to prove that we are only visiting relatives and plan to return home to Haiti. But how could they have read our minds? How could they have known that my mother's big sister in Detroit had been sending us money to leave Haiti forever? How could they have known that we didn't plan to go back? Miss Valerie Toussaint, I need you to come with me, the man had said. His voice was like the pebble streets in Damas, rough and unsteady, as they pulled Maman's hand from mine, as they motioned for me to continue through the line with Maman's desperate pleas trailing behind me. Ale Fabiola, go Fabiola. Don't worry, I will meet you there. And as I got on the connecting flight from New York to Detroit, but too much has happened for me to cry now. On the plane ride leaving Port-au-Prince for JFK, I had curled into my mother and together we looked out the window. Up high in the sky, all the problems we had left behind seemed so tiny, as if I could pick them up one by one and fling them out of the universe. On the flight to Detroit, I am alone. I looked down at America, its vastness resembling a huge mountain. I felt as if I was just a pebble in the valley. My mother will be on the next plane, I tell myself over and over again, just like when she sends me ahead on my own by foot or by tap-tap or by motor taxi. I tell myself that this won't be any different. Here in Detroit Metro Airport, there are no long lines to show papers and proof to uniform people. I ease into America's free air like a tourist returning home. With every step I take out of the terminal, I look back and up and around as if my mother will appear from out of nowhere. I search for her face in the crowd of new arrivals rushing past me, some with their eyes as rare as mine, others tracking every too bright light, every movement of each person around them, peering into every corner of this too big place, but none of them is Mama. I spot a lady official who is wearing the same uniform as the ones who took my mother away. I take several long steps toward her, dragging the carry-on behind me. My shoulder is sore. Excuse me, miss. I am looking for Valerie Toussaint. Coming from New York, I say with my very best English. I'm sorry, young lady. I have no idea who that is. And there isn't another flight coming in from New York into Detroit till the morning. If you are waiting for someone to pick you up, follow the signs that read baggage claim, she says, and starts to walk away. 
I shake my head. Value to son in New York, I say. They took her. They say she can't come to the United States. You had someone with you in New York? I nod. Is she being detained? I stare and blink and shake my head. I search my brain for this word, trying to find the Creole word for it, or a French one, detenir, to hold back, to keep from moving. The woman places both hands on her hips. Her blue uniform shirt stretches over her big chest, and two buttons look like they will pop. A small black strap on the shoulder of her shirt reads TSA. Her fancy gold badge says she's an officer, and another thinner badge on the other side of her black tie says her name is Deborah Howard. I can't help. You've been standing here all this time and your luggage is still at baggage claim. Now follow the signs to pick up your things. I'm sure you have family waiting for you. She speaks slowly as if I'm stupid. I press my lips and clench my fist. How do I tell her that I'm not going to the other side without my mom? How do I say that my mother has not seen her big sister, Mata Marjorie, since they were teenagers and my mom wanted nothing more than to hold her face and plant a big wet kiss on her cheek? But the English words don't come as fast as the many Creole insults at the tip of my tongue for this Deborah Howard. All right, then I will personally escort you to baggage claim, Deborah Howard says. No, I say. I have to be with Valerie Toussaint. Deborah Howard steps closer to me. At first, she smells of her freshly ironed uniform, but then I smell the faint scent of cigarettes and oily food lingering behind her starchy presence. Look, just come back with a relative in the morning to straighten all this out. Do you understand what I just said? I don't make a move and I hold this moment for a little bit. Then I nod. I understand, I say. My English is not as smooth. I will come back. Our four big suitcases stand alone between two luggage carousels like orphan children. I want to ask Deborah Howard what my mom will use to brush her teeth and wash her face tonight. But I'm afraid if I give her anything to take to my mother, she will keep it and sell it at the market. If Detroit is anything like Port-au-Prince. Officer Howard grabs a nearby cart and a man helps her lift up the suitcases. I rush toward them to make sure that they don't take anything. Night is a starlit blanket outside and the cold air reaches my bones. I have on a long sleeve shirt and it is not enough. Hope somebody's bringing you a coat, the man says and leaves the cart right there on the sidewalk. As I walk, hug myself and rub my arms. I watch the cars pass by. I look around and then stretch out my arms on each side of me. I pray that my mom will get to taste this cold, free air before she rests her eyes tonight, wherever they are keeping her, and then tomorrow she will come to this side of the glass where there is good work that will make her hold her head up with dignity, where she will be proud to send me to school for free, and where we will build a good brand new life, un belle vie, as she always promises, hoping that here she will be free to take her sister's hand and touch the moon. Wondering what happens next? Check out American Street by E.B. Zaboy, available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org.